Hi, everybody, and a very pleasant good evening to you, wherever you may be. This is Dodging Sleep, a UK baseball podcast brought to you by sleep-deprived Dodgers fans from the wrong side of the pond. On today's podcast, we will be starting off with On This Day. We will follow it up with The Voice of Summer, our tribute to Vin Scully. We'll have a look at the recent results and a look ahead at the schedule to come. Some of you will have noticed that the introduction that I used there is, of course, the signature introduction used by the late, great Vince Scully, and I'll be plenty more to hear from him later on in the, in the podcast as well. But before we get to any of that, I want to welcome our co-hosts for the evening. Firstly, Adam, welcome back. It's been a while since we last got together. What have you been up to? Uh, being hot and sweaty, mainly. It's uh, some nice weather in this country at the minute. And I'm just hot and sweaty and tired, very tired. Yeah, if we do have any any people listening from California, we've uh, we we almost reached 95 degrees at one point. Uh, so uh, very nice for us on this side. And the master of all things technical, Leon, is also with us. How have you been coping with it all, mate? Yeah, it's 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 the baseball side's been great off the field. Obviously, losing Vin was was tough um, as well. We're sort of covering in a. Uh, later on in the podcast uh, and yeah it's been very very hot and sweaty um i think as you say if anyone in california is list, uh, listening um imagine taking all the air conditioning out of california for the summer uh, that's what it feels like today there's no 7-elevens it's, it's it's kind of grim to be honest um but yeah all, all good other than that <laughs> here's a few things that we will not be talking about on today's podcast we will not be talking about our shortstop for the post-2010 Dream Team. Spoiler alert, it's going to be Corey Seager anyway. Uh, so there's really not much time in, not much point in wasting time talking about it. We're also, perhaps controversially, not going to talk about the deadline day trades. We're going to give them a chance to show what they can do before we spout off our opinions. And I'm pretty sure we all know that Joey Gallo is going to be better with a beard than he was without. And we most certainly will not be giving any time to depressing subjects of injuries to Clayton Kershaw and Justin Turner. We're just going to believe that everything's going to be okay for today. Traditionally on this show, Ian Senior always starts us off with an on this day. To break with tradition, I've gone for two. The first one is in 1975, Don Sutton threw his 50th career shutout in a 9-0 win over the Giants at Candlestick Park. And in doing so, he surpassed Don Drysdale to become the all-time franchise leader in shutouts. He would go on to finish his career with 52 and still holds this record to this day. On a lighter note, in 1995, the Dodgers would forfeit a home game... <laughs> Amazingly, I've written against the Dodgers, against the St. Louis Cardinals. While trailing 2-1 to one in the bottom of the ninth, Jim Quick's strike zone was called into question, first by Eric Carros, then by Raul Mondesi, and then by Tommy Lasorda. All three were ejected from the game, and the Dodger fans responded by showering the field with souvenir baseballs that had been given away earlier that night. The umpire crew forfeited the game in favour of the Cardinals, and... To this day, that is the most recent forfeiture in MLB history. So I'm guessing the MLB teams don't give away as many balls these days. Uh, Leon, have you got any idea what happened to any of these balls? Uh, one of them appeared on eBay a couple of years back and he's now in my possession. Um, so I won't be, uh, won't be taking it to Dodge Stadium to throw on the field anytime soon just so we can maintain that, that previous record of a, a forfeiture. But yeah, it's... Uh, 
Yeah, strangely, I, I remember that when last time I read about it, it mentioned that it was the uh, the rookies of the year ball, uh, which I got in a, a random job lot in eBay, funnily enough. So that's a uh, yeah, pride of place on my shelf at the moment. I'm not surprised. That's a very treasured possession. Um, Adam, 52 career shutouts for Don Sutton, an absolutely phenomenal achievement. Uh, to provide a little bit of context, um, no doubt future Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw is the current active leader with 15. Good for joint 21st on the Dodgers honours uh, list in terms of shutouts. Is it safe to say that Don's record will never be beaten? Uh, I reckon so, unless some miraculous super pitcher arrives. But yeah, I can't see it being anytime soon at all. I think in this day and age, even if there was a miraculous super pitcher, they'd start to they'd start to manage him and convince him he could only throw a hundred pitches uh, anyway. So I'm not sure that we're going to get these uh, these shutouts uh, ever again. But uh, different game, different game is played now. Uh, it's much more it's much more chess than checkers and lot and a lot more uh, a lot more tactic and strategy that goes into it uh, than the, than they used to be. So I, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that they're going to uh, break that record now. It is time to turn our attention to some more serious matters. Last week, at the age of 94, the Dodgers' treasured Hall of Fame announcer, Vin Scully, passed away. For 67 years, from 1950 to 2016, Vin Scully was the voice of the Dodgers. He would also broadcast 25 World Series, 12 All-Star Games, 18 no-hitters, and three perfect games across the course of his career. I've just described him as the voice of the Dodgers, Many others have more recently described him as the voice of baseball, even the voice of summer. Universally loved across the game, Finn retired in 2016. In his last home game, he would call Charlie Culberson's <coughs> walk-off home run against the Rockies that would clinch the division for the Dodgers. Though he would return for the, uh, for the final game of the season, a 7-1 loss uh, against, the, against the Giants. I mean... I guess a simple, a simple topic to to start us off, Leon. Um, we've all got our reasons for for Vince Cully holding a special place in our hearts. Maybe you could start us off by explaining why he's special to to you and what he uh, some of the memorable moments that he's that he's brought to you over the years. Um, I thought, you know, obviously you read so many tributes from from pretty much every single Dodger fan that um, it it was like losing a good friend or a family member. Um, and that's the only real way I can describe sort of uh, Vince Gully from, from my point of view. Um, in terms of my journey to baseball, I used to watch it back in the Channel 5 days very sparingly because I wouldn't go to sleep. And, you, you know, in those days, you'd always seem to watch the Seattle Mariners. And then sort of in 2015, I ended up buying a Dodgers jersey, a Jackie Robinson one, uh, and sort of researched it from there and started watching Dodger games and highlights on YouTube and, and you know, and sort of following it way more closer. Um, and you'd listen to Vin and he, he, you know, he had stories for absolutely everything. Um, and he, he pulled you in and you just, you just wanted to listen. You know, I mean, sometimes you wouldn't even, you know, pay more attention to the story he was telling than the actual game itself because he was so sort of enthralling and so detailed with with the, the little stories. I mean, it's obviously, this is the clip, a very random one about Madison Bumgarner and, and a snake. Uh, and, and cutting open a, a snake and finding a, a baby rabbit alive inside. Um, how the guy knew that sort of stuff, I'll, I'll never know. Um, but every single game, there was always just a story which which really pulled you in. And, 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 and you know, he, he was at his, 
I think it's the same with Joe Davis now. They, these guys are our sort of gateway to to baseball history and Dodgers history, and and their role to us as Dodgers fans in the UK is, is as important as as the players themselves. Yeah, I, I I couldn't I couldn't agree more with the with the sentiment expressed there, Adam. Um, what special place did Finn Scully hold in your heart? He had a really special place. I didn't realise until he, he passed away. Um, but yeah, it really knocked me for six when the news came out. And yeah, he, he was, he was like, he was my first baseball friend, effectively. It's, it's, it's watching, watching games at three o'clock in the morning on your own. Uh, it, it, becomes a, a two-way relationship but and it was it was just yeah he was he was just my mate it was just him talking to me about baseball it was great I mean he's the perfect commentator for watching sport at three o'clock in the morning it's, it's there was no bombast in it at all it was just perfect I mean uh just talking about general sports commentators Vin Scully was one of the best if not the best uh, if you look at the Kurt Gibson home run, where he just doesn't say anything, I think for 62 seconds, he lets the crowd do the talking. It's just, it's just it's the way to do commentating rather than going all out, shouting, screaming like some of the, some of the commentators do that you see on the MLB highlights clips in between innings. It's Vim was the perfect commentator for baseball, I think, and it was it, it it's it's hard to describe how much he helped me get into baseball it's yeah he was he was he was my mate he'll never know it but he was he was my first baseball friend thanks adam um i think my experience is uh, is going to be uh, quite similar to to yours i think i think um i i felt like i knew him i spent i spent so much time with him um whenever he started to speaking i shut up and i listened uh, he, I probably have spent more time listening to to Vin Scully uh, than I have to virtually anybody else uh, on this planet, including my parents. Um, I think, you know, he would he would talk to me while my head was on the pillow, you know, because oh, when we when we when we're watching games, it's quite often late at night, and um, and we're, we're in bed. Um, I found it very hard to fall asleep um, when he was commentating on games because his anecdotes, uh, his tone, even his vocabulary was so broad. He so rarely stumbled over any words the way that the way that I have through the course of this so far. Um, and you've just said something that resonates with me massively in terms of when I think of Finn Scully. He knew when the game was enough and that he didn't need to speak. He would just let it play out, let baseball do the talking for him. And then when he had something to say, it wasn't just for the sake of it. It was something almost poetic. It was something that would stand the test of time. And when you're watching it back, in the example you gave there, Kurt Gibson, uh, when people are watching it back in uh, in, in 34 years' time, um, it still stands as one of the great calls. Uh, and that's that's what what Vin did uh, did for me. Um, now we've mentioned a couple there, but I wonder if there are any particular calls uh, that 
that ring in your ears when when you think of Vin? Uh, Adam, you've already mentioned uh, the Kurt Gibson home run, which is probably, um, from a Dodgers point of view, um, the 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 ultimate uh, the ultimate Vin Scully moment. But are, are there any others that you can think of that uh, that, that come to mind when uh, when asked about Vin Scully? I have I have two. Um, one is more obvious than the other one. The first one is is the Kershaw no hitter. Um, he is perfect through all nine innings of that. It's probably the baseball game I have watched the most. I think I've watched it about ten times, and he is is just perfect through all, every call throughout that entire game. And they go to Ellen in the stands. He just absolutely nails every other bit of it. And the second one is a call that I only discovered this week. I mean, I might have heard it before when it was live. I don't even know when it was. And it was, um, there was a Guardian article and it had some links in the article. And one of them is uh, talking about uh, some birthdays. Um, I think one of them was Don Mattingly, another baseball player. And it happens to be the same day as uh, Hitler. Uh, and then he, he spits twice after he says Hitler's name. And it's a gloriously funny, beautiful Vince Scully moment that I'd, I'd never heard before. And it's just, I keep thinking of it since I read this article last week. Uh, and it was just, it's just a call that just, I think, in, encapsulates everything about Vince Scully. It was a lovely baseball moment and then a glorious moment at the end of it. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. Um, Leon, uh, any calls that, that that come to you when you when you're remembering Vin? I think probably the one that really that sticks out, other than the, the sort of the Kurt Gibson home run, which is just as you say, um, probably top of a lot of Dodger fans' lists, um, was the Charlie Corbison one. Um, so I mean, obviously it was his last game at Dodger Stadium. Um, it was a, a walk off home run to win a division, and it was a guy who was a, a, a part-time player, effectively. Um, Corbison wasn't really a starter at that point. Um, and it was, it was such a magical moment um, to, to close the season off and to close off his career at Dodger Stadium. Um, obviously, they went down to San Francisco and then got swept. <laughs> um, but the division was sorted at that point. Um, so, so that one really stands out for me. And, and as a sort of a non-Dodger moment um, was the, uh, the Bill Buckner era, um, which was... It's, you know, it, it, obviously, it's not really connected to the Dodgers, and then Bill Buckner played for the Dodgers at one point. But it, it's such a, a, a huge moment in baseball history, and the way he did it was was fantastic. You know, things move so fast. I can almost sort of I can hear it in my head still because um, it's such a sort of a, a chaotic clip, really. But you know, it was just Vin, Vince got it his best from a, a, a non-Dodger point of view as well. Yeah, that that behind the bag. Uh, you know that it just it just it just stays, yeah. doesn't it? You know, um, and uh, the context of and the magnitude of that play um, in terms of the the the, the Red Sox were um, were were so close. Um, <laughs> um, uh, it, it, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm wittering a little bit, but yeah, the the, the magnitude of that play, the importance, um, and. Uh, for that to, uh, for the for the call to go down, for the play to go down the way that it did, and for the uh, for the Mets to 
to to come back and 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 win that series, win that World Series in in '86 uh, on on the back of that play, having been so close to being and to be knocked out. But yeah, absolutely phenomenal. That was on that was on my list as well. Um, I've got uh, a couple of others that I'd like to mention. Uh, it's an old clip, uh, and sadly, there's no video reel to uh, or very little video reel to go with it. And the video reel that you actually do see is from earlier in the game because it was in the days of um, film reel being used and. I don't think there was live television uh, even, but it's uh, Sandy Koufax's uh, perfect game uh, and the audio to go alongside that. It's been cleverly edited uh, in terms of putting the audio alongside a, a swing and a miss clip from earlier in the game. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I think I think it's very very simply put, but it's uh, a, a two two a two two count. He's one strike away, um, a swing and a miss, the perfect game, um, and. Absolutely, you know, understated. It could, you know, imagine being that young and calling a game, uh, seeing one of your your idols do that, um, and yet being able to to be so composed. And I think that was composure was a signature of his throughout it all. Um, the the other one that stays with me is uh, Hank Aaron's so um, a non Dodger moment. Although <laughs> I suppose the Dodgers were playing in this game. But um, uh, Hank Aaron's 715th uh, home run, um, it you know it, it was it was a, a huge topic at the time, and um, I'm going to ask everyone to to pick a clip for us to play uh, shortly, and I'm going to pick the the Hank Aaron home run. Um, I think one of the things Vin Scully was awfully good at was understanding the bigger picture. Um, and Vin Scully says something along the lines of um, amazing scenes. Uh, 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 what, a, what a scene. Uh, a black man is being applauded in the Deep South for breaking the record of an, of an all-time American hero. Um, and, you know, he sees the bigger picture. And obviously, as time has gone on, uh, we know what Hank Aaron was going through with the death threats and with everything else uh, going on in in, in the run up to him to him finally breaking that record. Um, maybe Vinny was informed. Um, maybe he knew at the time. I don't think the rest of us. Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think the rest of the the population did. And I, and it was just a a, a huge moment. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we'll. That's the clip I'm going to pick. Uh, Leon, you got something you want to throw in? Yeah, I think I think it's just, it's just important to make the point of sort of how how intelligent he was with his commentary. Um, just sort of coming off the back of what Adam said, where after the Kate Gibson home when he he's sat in silence, uh, whereas other times you could go so in depth, you'd know every single thing about a particular player in a in a in a ten ball at bat. It's it's his, his intelligence and, and knowledge and, and and passion as well to to be able to get that deep into sort of a you know a person's. A, a very you know it can be very random players as well um get so deep into their background was was just incredible um there's just not really anyone like him to be honest i know joe davis has, has obviously spoke about trying to carry on you know that that relationship with the dodgers fans and he's doing such an incredible job but vin was such a you know a, i can't even think of the word for it now um a trailblazer, if you like, in, in in terms of how 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 good he was and how well he did. 
I could, yeah, again, you know, I'm doing a lot of this saying that I, I couldn't agree more, but I think when it comes to superlatives leveled at, leveled at Vin, uh, it's, it's hard, you know, you, you don't run out of them. I think um, his style was timeless. It never became, um, it never became dated because he was doing it. I think if someone else came and, and, and tried to deliver in the way that he does, people would obviously be impersonating Vin Scully. Uh, oh, they're trying to be Vin Scully and they're not Vin Scully. Um, Whereas, you know, he he, he pioneered this uh, th- this approach and and was so good at it for sixty seven years. Uh, and even when he would come on our screens um, and uh, and and give us little little snippets in in the final few years of his uh, of his life, whether it be an introduction or whether it be a, a, some kind of a celebration that he was narrating, um, his his style was still there and it, and it never wavered. It never changed. Yeah, you, you knew what you were gonna get with Vin, and it was above all else, it was it was class. Um, he, he, he never became the moment, did he? he the, the moment was always the moment, and he just happened to be there. That's this probably the best thing thing about him. I mean, I've been sat here for the last couple of minutes trying to think who else did it outside of Richie Benno. I can't really think anyone else who used to do that. It's such a simple thing that I think more commentators should probably do. Yeah, I think he was very comfortable behind the mic and and out of the limelight. Um, he he obviously got into he obviously got into the trade, if you like, into announcing uh, in an era of of the transistor radio and, and and not being on not being on television and not being on screen. Um, I think the limelight found him, and he never sought it out. Uh, he wanted to just share his story. Uh, I've heard someone talk about, I think it was Kevin Costner uh, after his final game at Dodger Stadium spoke about how this skinny little red-haired kid would stand on the shoulders of others to look through the peephole in the fence and describe through his unique um, window into the game of baseball what was happening. And I just thought that was that was absolutely beautiful. And um, uh, And yeah, you know, a, a very poignant way to put it. Now, to move things on a little bit, I do want to hear from Finn a bit now. And there are so many clips and sound bites that have come synonymous with him over the years. Uh, and I'm hoping that through the wonders of technology, we'll be able to share uh, a few with those of you listening now. I want to make clear before we do so that we don't claim to own the rights for the audio that we're about to play. Uh, and we will happily take, uh, take them down should we be asked to do so. We don't, we don't intend to steal content. We just want to celebrate the life of a man who meant so much to us and to other people around the world. So we pulled up a few clips. Um, Adam, um, I'll give you first dibs. You can choose the first clip that we are going to play. What well, do you want to hear? I think we should start with his most synonymous one. We've got to go. Kurt Gibson. Okay, here we go. I think we're all about to hear the words, look who's coming up. Listen in as Vin Scully describes Kurt Gibson's home run from the 1988 World Series. But the game right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She is gone!
in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. Absolutely fantastic. It never gets old. I could listen to it over and over and over again. Uh, thanks, Adam. Great choice. Um, Leon, we'll give you the go next. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna stick with uh the Charlie Culberson home run. Um it was the end of an era. I think I think possibly we lost the last game that he commentated on 3-0 at ATT. Um, but the yeah, as I, as I sort of stated earlier, the, the Charlie Culberson sort of closed that book at Dodger Stadium. Um, so I'm going to go with with Charlie Culberson's walk off home run against the Rockies in 2016. Okay, sit back and listen, Charlie Culberson against the Colorado Rockies in a moment that will seal the division for the Dodgers in 2016. And now Charlie Culberson coming up. So we will see one out in San Diego. Brad Hand is facing Brandon Belt, and the Padres lead 4-3. Two out here in the 10th inning. Culberson struck out, single twice, reached on an error. Charlie trying to keep the inning alive and let Grandall come up. Belt's trying to do the same thing in San Diego. Little foul out of play, 0 and 1. All right, Brandon still battling up there. Ninth inning, 4 3, San Diego. Tenth inning, 3 3. Dodgers and Rockies. Oh, and one to Charlie. Swung on a high fly ball to deep left field. The Dodger bench empties. Would you believe a home run? And the Dodgers have clinched the division and will celebrate on schedule. to the Dodgers Charlie Culberson a game winning home run what a moment to have it and would you believe his first home run of the year now I've already uh, I've already mentioned uh, I've already mentioned that I'm going to pull out Hank Aaron but I'm going to be greedy and I'm going to go for two so firstly slightly shorter clip I want to I want to introduce uh, the clip from the 1986 World Series of the Bill Buckner era that handed the win to the New York Mets over the Boston Red Sox. So the winning run is at second base with two out, three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first, behind the bag, it gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight and the Mets win. 
emotion that comes out um uh, in in his voice the i think it's the one it's the closest i've ever heard to him sort of losing it uh, on a on a podcast uh, on a podcast on commentary um uh, is is that clip he's he can't believe what he's seeing and it's obvious and the way he the way he tells the picture the way he 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 creates the picture in in your in your mind the way he uh, t- the way he tells that story is is so so amazing um and as i've already mentioned i want to i want to introduce the the Hank Aaron clip where he breaks Babe Ruth's record and hits his 17 715th home run of his career one ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. Absolutely fantastic clips there. Um, really enjoyed listening to them. Uh, I'll listen to them again some more, no doubt. Um, today, this week, this month, this year, the rest of my life, um, I, I'll always, I'll never get tired of listening to those. The late great Vince Scully, who will be sorely missed, and now as someone who is far less experienced than the man we've been talking about, I've got the difficult task of trying to bring things back to the present and uh, and talk about the current season it's been a while since we last got together uh, and aside from the passing event that we've been talking about so much already things have been going rather well the dodgers are now 76 and 33 we have the best record in mlb and in recent weeks we have swept both the giants and the padres since the all-star break we boast a 16 and 3 record those losses coming at the hands of the Nationals, who managed to win the series against us 2-1, uh, and the Rockies. We've currently won nine on the bounce and play the second game of a two-game series against the Twins uh, tonight at Dodger Stadium, where Ryan Pepio is set to face Sonny Gray. Following that, we have a three-game series at Kansas City Royals, followed by four games at what I will always know as Miller Park, but now American Family Field versus the Milwaukee Brewers. Unfortunately, after tonight, we're not at home until again until the August the 19th, 
Uh, and that's when the Marlins will join us for a three-game series before Milwaukee are back again for another three. We do have UK sh- UK friendly scheduled games on the August uh, on August the fourteenth, eighteenth, and twenty-first. That's one each versus the Royals, Brewers, and the Marlins. So we are on a roll right now, Leon. So much to be happy about. What is it that's working for the Dodgers right now? Uh, everything. Um... Usually we're pretty good at jinxing stuff, um, so hopefully it carries on. Um, but they, they just look ridiculously comfortable at the moment. Um, I can't think of too many games where we've, obviously outside of the ones that we, the three that we lost, uh, since the All-Star break, where I've, I've thought, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to win this game. Um, they are sort of just, I mean, especially in the last sort of week and a bit, um, just absolutely steamrolling teams. Um Obviously, the Giants have fallen off quite significantly uh, recently. Uh, the Padres, as, as we know, they made a big big splash at the uh, the trade deadline. Um, so for them to come into Dodge Stadium and get swept uh, very comfortably, I think they had 12 hits over the, uh, the three games. It's a huge statement by the Dodgers because I think there's a, a I think the Dodgers were quite disrespected, to be honest, um, by a lot of the sentiments that you'd, you'd read on Twitter and. <sighs> People saying that the uh, the Padres are now a better team. Uh, they're making a run for the World Series. Um, this Dodgers team is is ridiculously good. Um, obviously, there's, there's the uh, stat that Scott sent us today that in the last 162 games, the Dodgers have won 117, uh, which over the course of the season is, is record-breaking pace. Um, and to do that with the the injuries that the team have had uh, is is incredible, to be honest. Adam, is there anything that you think could go wrong? Are the wheels set to fall off for us at any moment? Oh, yeah. Oh, something could always go wrong. I read on Twitter this morning, um, someone said the Dodgers were in cruise control. And that is the thing that sort of worries me. If we just start taking games a little bit too easy. I mean, I, I sort of don't think this clubhouse words. But, you know, you, you never know. I mean, was it 2017 when we looked like we were going to break all the records and we had that month where we just didn't seem to ever win a game? That's always at the back of my mind with this team. It's, I mean, I think we've only gotten beat by teams under 500. It's weird that I think, I think we're as good as we are and we're going so under the radar that I, I just wondered if we might just ease off a little bit without thinking I hope not and I don't think it will but it's always at the back of my mind so I think yeah I, I mean I think on on that subject of, of of easing off um in recent years we have seen Dave Roberts try to protect players down the stretch uh we're probably a little bit premature in talking about this but he does that in order to give people extra time off to ensure that they're fit for the postseason there are those that think that this upsets the team's rhythm and actually has the opposite effect. Leon, where do you stand on this? It's it's a, it's a little bit tough when you want the players as fresh as possible. Um, I think this year we've probably got the advantage of having some huge pieces coming back in advance of the playoffs this year. Um, I do wonder whether he he will look at sort of giving players time off because obviously you've had sort of Trey Turner and Fred have pretty much started every single game. Um, because the, the the recipe for success at the top of the order works so well. Um, 
I don't, you know, obviously we're going to see a couple of call-ups, no doubt. There'll be, you know, players getting extra time. Or, you know, some of the lesser players probably getting extra time. But I, I think keep them rolling if they're fit and healthy to that point, uh, you know, where we've won, wrapped up the division already. Keep them going, keep them in the swing of things. Um, why disrupt a, a Trey Turner who seems to be on a sort of a hitting streak every single time you, you look at, you, you know, well, basically every single day. He, he has one day after he doesn't get hit and then goes on another 20, 20 odd game hitting streak. Um, I wouldn't want to disrupt that, to be honest. Um, I think, as, as Adam said, and, and yourself said, we only seem to sort of, we've really struggled against teams that are below 500, um, which is, that sucks, to be honest, because you don't like seeing the Dodgers lose to rubbish baseball team. But that also means that we're, we're sort of hammering the uh, and beating the, the, the better teams consistently as well. Um, so I, I'm sort of fully on, on board with just keeping them going as long as long as they're fit, as long as there's no niggling injuries which might sort of flare up towards the end of the season. Let them roll, get the wins in, keep that confidence coming in. Um, it, it feels very, very sort of 2020 in that it's it feels very business like this year. Um, that we're getting the wins. There's no sort of madness going on. We're not sort of over celebrating anything. Um, I think one of the things that, you, that sort of is worth pointing out is not many walk-off wins and there's not many save opportunities, which means that we're comfortably beating a lot of teams as well. Um, so just yeah, just keep that business-like sort of a mode going until we get to the postseason. Then, you now hopefully everyone's hit, uh, healthy, fit. We will have the likes of Bueller back. We'll have Blake Trinan back. Bruce Starr could be back as well. Kirsch might be fit. There's so many pieces that we can add to this phenomenal team as well. Um, yeah, just keep them rolling and, and add on where we can. Thanks, Leon. Adam, have you got anything to add to that? Um, uh, yeah, I largely agree. Um, but I, th- I think part of Dave Roberts' brilliance is that I think he explains situations to players. So I, I think if we're going to put, say, Gonslin on a Phantom Eye Alston in a couple of weeks, which is probably going to happen, I imagine it's probably been agreed to agreed two or three weeks ago. It's I, th- I, th- I think I think the, the keep keep the, um, the playing staff aware of the plans and, and it wouldn't surprise me if we possibly go to a six-man rotation at some point um might keep pepio in in the lineup for a couple of weeks maybe especially with the likes of dustin may coming back as well i mean he played last night and from what i saw he looks like he played really well so i mean a six-man rotation just to keep the arms a bit fresh might be an option that they, they take um I mean, I I've, I always think that we're going to go to six more races. We never do, so we probably won't do anything like that. But it, it, it's something I, I keep thinking about with the players we've got coming back. I think uh, it, it's something they, they might look at because it, it just keeps Kirsch that extra day. Do we want him tired like he always is in the postseason? No, I think it's probably the best way of doing it. Do they want to protect Urias, who's which, I mean, he's pitching out of his skin at the minute. He might just need that little bit of rest because he was dead on his feet last year postseason. Bueller coming back that extra day might just just take keep him keep him all right rather than flaring the injury up again. I think it's an option that they could take. I mean, I, I get the I get the arguments for it. In all honesty, um, if I was Tony Gonsolin, um, if I was managing Tony Gonsolin, and I don't claim to know more than Dave Roberts, but he's someone I just wouldn't mess with in the slightest because I think right now at this point of his career. Um, he's probably still 
trying to come to the belief that he is as good as he is performing. Um, and he still is kind of waiting for his bubble to burst. And any upset to that rhythm that he's been in could be a hindrance to him. Um, so Tony Gonsolin, I would just be like, right, no, you keep doing what you're doing until it goes wrong for him. And hopefully it won't. Hopefully he will keep it rolling, you know, for the next uh, for, for the next few months, for the next few years, for the rest of his career. Um, but Tony Gonsolin is someone I wouldn't I, I, I wouldn't mess around with in, in, in the slightest. Uh, I think that there will be, um, as there always is, there's always um, a little bit of IL time here and there. And I think Urias, as a more experienced player, someone a little bit a little bit more used to things. I think I think he's potentially a candidate to come in and out. Uh, the depth that we've already shown, uh, if you compare our starting day, um, our opening day starting rotation to the one that's been out there in recent weeks, I could be wrong. I don't think Tyler Anderson was even in the the um, the, the the opening day starting rotation. I think he was someone he who's was, come in. He and... was a joint starter with Gonston. He piggybacked him, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, that was that was how it went early, early, early on. And Tyler, you know, Tyler Anderson and Tony Gonsolin have been superb, most consistent pitchers uh, throughout the year. Uh, they've really stepped up where we've had uh, Kershaw and and Bueller out for, uh, for 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 stints, extended periods of time. Um, and you know, we've seen Heaney uh, Heaney's starting to come back again now. So it's. I agree that a six-man rotation would solve a few problems. I think it's more likely that the odd player will skip a start rather than a, a full-time six-man rotation that might upset the rhythm of those that are that, that appreciate it. But it's an interesting viewpoint, and I'd love to hear what other people, uh, what other people have to say about that. I think there's uh, there's there's one uh, young gentleman that we we haven't spoke about for a while because he's been on the IL, which is uh is Dustin Mike, um, who's his stats coming out of OKC uh, on his uh. And he's um on his return, he's just insane. Um, so I mean, the, the Dodgers at this point could, could probably go with a very good eight-man rotation if they wanted to, um, which is lunacy because obviously baseball players are creatures of habit. Um, but yeah, it's uh yeah, it's it's, it's such a, a, a good position to be in at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Dustin May there. Let's talk about him for a second. So um, he's uh he's he's just come back. Uh, he's been having a few rehab starts with uh, with OKC. Um, he's scheduled to make his first start of the season uh, at home. At least he's penciled in to make his first start of the season on August 21st at home to Miami. Um, Adam, how important do you think Dustin May might be to the Dodgers World Series hopes? I think he'll be really important. I mean... We know how good his pitches are. Um, don't, don't say could. I want to hear will. How important will oh, right, he, he will. Be? He will win yeah. the World Series for us. I think <laughs> I think he will probably play a very similar role to what Urias did in uh, 2020. Um, coming in coming in those high leverage spots, I think that's how they'll probably use him, which I think makes sense. Uh, I mean, even though I think they are bringing him back in as a starter, but I think during the postseason, I think he might be more efficient in those spots where he could perhaps go one or two, maybe three innings and go go all out. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously start of the year, um, Bruce Dar, 
Uh, he was on his way. Uh, he, he was the guy getting, being given all the high leverage uh, spots. Uh, wasn't going great for him. Turned out he had a bit of an injury and he's been sitting out for the last few weeks as well. Uh, Leon, Dustin May, what do you think is going to happen with him? Uh, I, 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 I'd love to see him in that uh, Julio role um, from 2020, to be honest. Um, coming in, sort of closing down the game. He was, especially towards the end of that stretch as well, Julio Urias was, was almost untouchable. Um, if you've got a guy that can, you know, throw 100 miles an hour in in, in high leverage situations and, and make people look really daft, uh, as he has done sort of uh, with clips of, in particular of our friend Manny Machado, um, he could be a huge asset. And I mean, obviously the other thing is we could, you know, you could have two starters per game if you wanted, given the depth that the Dodgers starting pitchers have got. Obviously you're not going to go with a five-man rotation in the postseason, so you sort of break it down a little bit. What's stopping us going, sort of doing what we did at the start of the season, Gonsolin, followed by Anderson. The next day, you could have bloody Julio Urias and, and Walker Bueller. There's so many sort of little differentials that the Dodgers have could put into play in the postseason with every, if, if everyone comes back healthy. It could be a really, a really interesting, uh, interesting time for us. Uh, I completely agree. We've got uh, May returning. Uh, the bullpen has been lights out recently since the All Star break, even before that. Um, We've got Walker Bueller coming back, Clayton Kershaw. Okay, they're they're both starters. Dustin May looks like he's been built up to be a starter. I agree. But then we've also got Bruce Dark Radderall, Blake Trinan, all due back at various points before the season is out. Surely there's going to be some really upset players who don't make the postseason roster. Um now it's talks that we talk about our our strength and depth and how amazing it is. Are there any instances that you can think of, Adam, uh, that uh, that where that such strength in depth can be a hindrance rather than a help? Um, yeah, I mean, that means there could be some upset players, but I I, I think this team in particular, I think I think you said earlier, they're just so businesslike. I think they are a team. It's they've got one purpose and that is the purpose of winning the world series. I mean, Dave Roberts keeps bringing it up that we are going to win it. It's, I think everyone is in, in a mood where that is, is the end goal, whether they're on the roster or not. So uh, I, I, I don't think it will be a problem, but I mean, it's, it's always there. I mean, we saw, I think we sort of know the bullpen arms are probably going to drop out. If, Gratterall trying and come back and, and, and they're at the best. I mean, because I come back and be awful. So it might be no change at all in, in that bullpen. You don't know, do you? So, yeah, I mean, that's it. You've got, you've got to presume at this point everyone's going to come back at the best. I mean, I would, uh, it, it's a, I'm sure it's a, it's a good problem to have, but I would, um, I, I would, I would struggle to select if everyone's fit, I would struggle to select the, uh, uh, the the pitches that go into the that go into the bullpen for the postseason. Leon, got any thoughts? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I'm almost to the point of view. I'd rather have a pissed off player that has got a World Series ring than a sort of a player that's content that they played but didn't get anywhere, didn't make it to the World Series. Um, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be tough on 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 some of the players, unfortunately. But again, this is the, the depth and the strength that the Dodgers have, have built. Um, you know, obviously. I, this Caleb Ferguson, for example, there might be question marks whether he makes the roster. Um, he's been lights out, to be honest. He hasn't given up a run yet in 16 innings, which is insane. Struck out the side last night to close out the game. I know he was upset 
sort of earlier in the season um, about his usage. He wasn't getting as much usage as he uh, as he wanted and as he thought he'd been promised. But again, it all sort of just contributes to sort of a winning club. Uh, it's it, you know a successful baseball club and a World Series winning team needs more than twenty five players. Um, so yeah, we're going to have to lose. Unfortunately, some guys won't make that postseason roster, and it will upset them. But everyone so far has played a role in getting us to this point where we've we've almost locked up the division already, uh, and we're going in going in hot. Um, I mean, there's there's guys like Phil uh, Bickford who hasn't performed to his the standards he set last season. But then we've got guys like Evan Phillips who have come in and again been insane. Almonte who's come in. You know, these are guys that were reclamation projects who have been turned into you know, incredible baseball players uh, for, for this season. Same with Tyler Anderson and Andrew Heaney. Um, I was very vocal, again, as I've mentioned before, about I, I didn't fancy Andrew Heaney one bit. He's been incredible. Tyler Anderson uh, has, has been the glue that has really held that that rotation together. Um, and for him to be 12-1 and one, um, at this point in the season is insane. Sometimes he's, he's looked unplayable. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 an, it's a nice problem to have. It's a nice problem to have. I mean, obviously, you know, I've won every single player to, to, to get in and play their part in the World Series, but the, the rules don't allow it. Um, as I say, they may be pissed off in the short term, but then they can, there's, you know, there's not many baseball players that can say, I've got that ring. Um, so if they play their part and, and we get that ring, I'm sure they'll they'll be fine at the uh, once once everything's closed up. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um... Obviously, we picked up Chris Martin as well. Uh, he's come in. I think he's scoreless in his uh, in his three or four outings so far. So he, it just seems he did give a home run up against the uh, the Giants in his first game, but he's been good since then. Right. Okay. Yeah. Love to be. I love to be wrong. It happens. It happens all the time. So <laughs> um, we'll, we'll leave we'll leave that one in for everyone to listen to. Um, so series coming up now. As I've already mentioned, we're seventy six and thirty three as of today. Uh, we've got. Three games against, well, I'm going to skip off the Twins for tonight because by the time this comes out, that series will be over. So we've got three games against the Royals. We've got four games against the Brewers. They're both on the road. And then the next three will be home games against the Marlins. Now, I'll break with the script and I'll say, right, Leon, so we... Where do you think we're going to be in 10 games' time? Uh, I'm going to go seven and three. Um, seven and three, 83 and 36? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not very good at math, so thank you for uh, sorting that out for me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's seven and three, uh, purely because I'm, I'm just unsure about our records against the uh, the sub-500 teams, of which uh, six of those games are against the, uh, the teams that are sub-500 and have struggled this season. Um Plus the brew, the Brewers. I know they've uh, they've dropped off a little bit recently, um, but they've still got some some you know some solid baseball players. Um, so yeah, uh, seven seven and three. Okay, superb, Adam. I'm going to go super optimistic and go eight and two. Um, it's going to come back and bite me on the arse pretty much probably within the first game, I think. But I mean, the Royals are not very good. The Marlins aren't very good. Regardless of what uh, the UK Marlins uh, he says, I think they just win all the time, come to his posts, and every time I check the score, they get beat. So I, I can't see them beating us. And I think Brewers is just the only one that I think we might struggle with a little bit. 
So, I mean, I think you, you, what, you're, what you're doing there, Adam, is you're applying logic to this, um, which which I kind of like. But we've seen throughout the year that the Dodgers only struggle against poor teams. Oh, um, I already know where <laughs> it's going to be the opposite way around. We're, we're going to lose eight and we'll win two because I've, I've predicted that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've gone very, very loosely with a six and four. I think we'll be at 82 and 37. Um, uh, I just think the best teams in baseball uh, in baseball history, lose, uh, you know, one game, one game in three, um, more, more than one game in in three. Looking at it, and um, I I just think that I think we're going to start managing things. We're going to start introducing reintroducing injured players. Uh, I do think that there appears to be a bit of a motivation problem when we're playing against. Uh, opposition that we think we should sweep aside. Uh, there must be some reason to it, to why the Colorado Rockies have caused us so many problems this year, and that we just and the only series we've lost since the All Star break is against the Washington Nationals. Um, there must be more to it than than there seems. I, I don't suddenly think that these teams all up their game and 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 beat us as the best team in baseball. Um, without us stepping our foot off the gas a little bit. So I'm going to be slightly more pessimistic and I'll go with six and four and coming up at 82 and 37. So I'm going to break with tradition uh, for tonight. The power's gone to my head. I've gone absolutely mad and I'm not going to invite any uh, any final comments, any final points from either Adam or Leon and I've got nothing to say myself. What I'm going to do is I'm going to leave the final words to... Uh, to Vin, someone we've spoken about so much tonight. And uh, it's his farewell to the Dodgers fans that he uh, that he wrote uh, in in 2016 and, and delivered so, so amazingly. And I'd like us all to listen to it um, and, and enjoy it together. So it might be goodbye from Leon and from Adam and myself, but please join me in listening to the words of Vin and how he would like us to remember him. Good night. Many years ago, a little red-headed boy was walking home from school, passing a Chinese laundry, and stopped to see the score of a World Series game posted in the window. The Yankees beat the Giants 18-4 on October the 2nd, 1936. Well, the boy's reaction was pity for the Giants, and he became a rabid Giants fan from that day forward until the joyous moment when he was hired to broadcast Brooklyn Dodger games in 1950. Ironically, October the 2nd, 2016, will mark my final broadcast of a Giants-Dodger game. And it will be exactly 80 years to the day since that little boy fell in love with baseball. God has been very generous to that little boy, allowing him to fulfill a dream of becoming a broadcaster and to live it for 67 years. Since 1958, you and I have really grown up together through the good times and the bad. The transistor radio is what bound us together. By the way, were you at the Coliseum when we sang happy birthday to an umpire? Were you among the crowd that groaned at one of my puns? Or did you kindly laugh at one of my little jokes? 
that I put you to sleep with a transistor radio tucked under your pillow. You know, you were simply always there for me. I've always felt that I needed you more than you needed me, and that holds true to this very day. I've been privileged to share in your passion and love for this great game. My family means everything to me, and I'll now be able to share life's experiences with them. My wife, Sandy, our children, Kevin, Todd, Aaron, Kelly, and Catherine, along with our entire family, will join me in sharing God's blessings of that precious gift of time. You folks have truly been the wind beneath my wings, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me on this incredible journey of 67 years of broadcasting Dodger baseball. You know, friends, so many people have wished me congratulations on a 67-year career in baseball, and they've wished me a wonderful retirement with my family. And now, all I can do is tell you what I wish for you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. For every problem life seems a faithful friend to share, for every sigh a sweet song, and an answer for each prayer. You and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, oh, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be.